So uh, today, this is a message that the Lord put in my heart on the, uh, the 22nd of January. It's a, it's a message on prophecy, and at, the, uh, at some point in the message, I am going to um, give a, a word for the, the body. It's also a word for the nation, and so it's a, it's a weighty word, and it's one that I submitted to our elders and our leadership to weigh it out, to know when the best time to speak it would be. Um, before doing that, I, I probably need to give a little bit of a teaching on prophecy itself. Some of us come from backgrounds like myself, where that's not the norm. Uh, I grew up in a, in a wonderful Methodist church. Uh, I was an acolyte that would bring the fire to the altar every week in robes. And, uh, you know, and so that was my background, and I'm thankful for it. It wasn't something, though, that we regularly uh, at all um, in any way talked about was prophecy not even hearing the voice of the Lord. And we know from the uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit Pentecost that the voice of the Lord has now been given to all peoples. All can prophesy. All can receive uh, direction from the Lord. And we, have in these last months, have been exploring in some ways how that's always been God's intention since the very beginning, that he's always wanted to have a face-to-face communion relationship with his people. And... We can go throughout a lot of different scriptures to show that, certainly from the Old Testament. Uh, in the New Testament, it's just been amplified. Um, it's become made more clear because the pathway to God has been wide open through Jesus. And now there's nothing that hides his face from us at all anymore. He completely delights in us. And as a result of that delight, we can see his face and he speaks. And now Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Uh, some backgrounds that, uh, that are here grew up with this. You're immersed in it, with it, and sometimes hearing the Lord is, uh, you know, is just as ubiquitous as, you know, flossing your teeth. If that's something that you do, <laughs> it's going to the store. It's just that, you know, it's part of your day. You just hear the Lord throughout your day. And part of what we're doing as a body is we want to train everyone here how to hear the voice of the Lord for yourselves. As we become a collective of people who hear and discern the Lord together. As we do that, the Lord will entrust us more with his words, not only for our own lives personally, but for those in our community outside of this church and hopefully uh, in places of influence throughout the nation and and other places. And so we want to learn how to steward those words well. And today we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, I'm not going to do a full survey of scripture with this. Uh, That could take a long time. And uh, I'm going to put some resources on our Slack page to help everyone who wants to dive deep uh, do so. This is a subject that I've dove deep in. Uh, my, my last paper in seminary was on hearing the voice of the Lord. It was a two semesters, a full year class in biblical theology. And, and I chose the voice of the Lord. So I went through every passage where God interacted with his people as written in scripture. And I did a complete survey of the whole thing. And so this is something that's been dear in my heart because I just didn't know the voice of my father until you know, I was actually in seminary and I was, you know, filled with the Spirit for the first time. And I didn't know that that was a possibility. I didn't know that was a difference. And so uh, because of the, the yearning of my own heart to know my Father's voice, this is a subject that I have uh, researched deeply. And uh, our Father has been really gracious to help me fine-tune that and to hear Him uh, in multiple different ways. And that's part of the, the difficulty sometimes of a subject like prophecy is recognizing that our unique personalities do influence how we hear the Lord. Uh, some people hear the Lord scientifically. You know, I'm, I'm an engineer by background. Some people, they 
they perceive the Lord through math, and, and they, can, they can see the Lord speaking through formulas and, and things like this. And, and that's, that's amazing. And, and that's not something we talk about often in the church, because you know, it seems to me that, that or it seems to some people, that's just like natural. But I would argue that that's actually the voice of the Lord for some people. They are hearing him and tuning people into what he's saying through uh, math and science and these kind of things. Through some people, it's through art. And so when they hear the Lord, it's often through pictures. And maybe they'll even paint a picture. And we've been a part of churches, and we'd love to be a church that will have people that are uh, creatively expressing the Lord during a, a worship service like this to help encapsulate what he's doing. One of the stories that I've heard over the years that has really helped grab me in this is that there's a, a young woman in town, it's Jim Noble's daughter, and she was having these dreams, and she would tell her dad and, and others what these dreams were, but didn't know what they meant. And then they went to a church where they had these, uh, these people that would, would pray, and the Lord would give them pictures, and then they would paint or draw the picture out. And so when she went to this particular church, uh, there was a person there that had a matching photo or a, a picture that was for her. So they went to her and said, hey, this picture is on my heart for you. Do you know uh, if this resonates? And she started crying because she's like, that's the dream that I've been having over and over and over again. And the person was able to say, well, this is what it means and spoke to the person, spoke to Jim's daughter about it. And it helped relieve her of some you know, angst that she had about knowing God. And it's examples like that that help give us a little bit of a clue as to the purpose of prophecy. Uh, classically speaking, there are three main reasons why prophecy has existed throughout Scripture. Uh, it's mainly, uh, primarily, to call people back or to call people into a deeper level of their communion and partnership with God. And so if you think of the Old Testament, there were prophets, and the prophets that were there were prophesying to the people, hey, you need, to, you need to remember this covenant, this partnership that you made with your father. And so they would do that sometimes by pointing out their idolatry. Sometimes they would do it by pointing out, hey, we're their, we're their on target. And then the second thing uh, out of response of that, pointing out of things, would be to call them to turn back. So it was a call to repentance oftentimes. And so they would say, you know, return back to your covenant, return back to your first love, return back to your husband, return back to your father. Turn back to God. And then uh, after that, they would say, uh, here's what's coming in this word. And, and it was often a callback to what's called like the day of the Lord, where uh, there was a, a coming judgment. Judgment was, is always a positive thing for the, God, the people of God. Always a positive thing for the people of God. God's judgment, when he comes for the people of God, is always a great, wonderful thing. For those that hadn't heard the word and responded to it through repentance and turning back to the Lord, it was a terrible day. It's a great and terrible day of the Lord. And so that was classically, you know, as we see the Old Testament and examples of prophecy, and I'll uh, talk about some of that in just a moment. That's what the purpose was it for. With our New Testament, with the new covenant that Jesus has given to us, uh, typically prophecy is, you know, encouraging and strengthening us in him, in, in Jesus. Now, he's taking care of judgment for us. And so when we, when we prophesy internally within the house of God, it's typically to edify, strengthen, and encourage. Uh, there's more to it than that. Uh, sometimes it's, it is to, to call back, hey, to remind us, hey, that behavior isn't what the Lord wants. And it's to encourage us to become more like Jesus and to, to follow that a bit more. Um, and so therefore, it is, the, it is renewing us in that covenant and it is revealing Jesus for us. And, uh, and we can... We can 
anchor into that. Uh, there is still also that predictive element that is there classically and is also there in the New Testament where we, we will predict things, that, where the Lord in his gift of prophecy will, will say, hey, this is coming. And here are some things to do about that. Jesus would say, hey, you know, there's going to be armies, and I'm paraphrasing his words a bit in, uh, in Matthew, that the, the Jerusalem's going to be surrounded. And when you see the armies coming, flee to the hills, you who know me. Uh, because Jerusalem is going to be completely destroyed. Not a single stone is going to be left standing upon itself. And, and so he was prophesying predictively what would happen in 70 AD, which did come to pass. Um, so we know that these are things that we've seen uh, just as a brief survey over, uh, over Scripture. And so that's just a, a bit of a backdrop for it. I'm going to back up even a little bit more and start with the, the primacy of prophecy or the, the reason for it. Um, in, in the months past, we looked at the letter of Hebrews, how in the letter of Hebrews, the, the final and the, the complete revelation of God is in Jesus. Jesus is the complete picture of God, the, pic, the complete image of who God is. And as a result of knowing now Jesus and his revelation, we no longer need uh, scripture to be written any longer. Uh, we have scripture written and we can always look at scripture. Scripture is always there to point us to the author who is Jesus. Jesus has been revealed fully and so scripture actually submits to Jesus as the final revelation. Some statements of faith are out there that will say that scripture is the final and authoritative word of God. Scripture says, however, differently than that. So some churches' theological statements will say scripture is the final authoritative word of God. That's not true. Scripture says that Jesus is the final authoritative word of God. That's a bit of a big statement, by the way, for some of you who are theologically trained. Uh, and we have no uh, problem saying that because Jesus is alive today and he gives testimony with his authority about the word of God is. And as we read the word of God in scripture, which we fully love and will submit to, we will come to encounter Jesus as we do that. Uh, but because of the final revelation of Jesus, there is no longer any need to have anything written on the level of Scripture anymore. Scripture is complete. It, is, it has been finalized because Jesus has been fully revealed. And so prophecy in relation to Scripture is always going to be a lesser revelation. And I'm not trying to qualify or quantify things. I'm just trying to give a little bit of an example. Because when people prophesy, when the Lord comes with prophecy, it is a revelation of God. It is coming from his spirit, and so it's one with Jesus. But I'm just saying for our order of importance, if that matters to you, prophecy is a, little, is a level different than scripture. And so that, that creates some level of relief for some people because they've seen prophecy abused because it's been put on the level of scripture. And that's not what we believe the scripture shows because we believe that the final revelation of God is in Jesus Christ. And that prophecy serves that purpose to reveal who Jesus is. It's a big point to make, so I'm going to pause. <laughs> and so, uh, so Jesus is the final revelation of, uh, of the word of God. Jesus, he spoke in the spirit, and all that he revealed was spirit and in life. And so what he means by that is that in the same way that God spoke creation into existence, there was an animating and energizing power in the spoken word of God that created existence, that same power and that same animating, energizing life is in Jesus when he speaks. 
That same animating, energizing life is in the spirit when we prophesy. When anyone is prophesying, that same word that Jesus spoke to create the whole world is also within that word. And so if you guys imagine like a sound wave, a sound wave, you can hear it a little bit. And a sound wave, if you put it next to sand and amplify it, it'll create a pattern in the sand, if you guys have ever seen that. If you hook it up to uh, an electrical measuring device, it'll show the little subwaves and waves going up and down. So we know that sound waves have substance, and we know that they continue on. Like light waves. Light waves are shining all across the universe, and they continue to shine, and nothing stops them from shining. Once you receive a light wave, you receive something that, uh, that, that creates a sensation within your eyes, and your eyes register that and, and see, and, and it causes your brain to receive that. And so we know that light has some form of substance to it, and it keeps shining and it keeps going. In a similar way, but not an exact way, but in a similar way, the, Lord, the word of the Lord speaks and has spread out creation and continues to speak. And that same word, Jesus says, holds the world together. The whole world, the whole universe, all the creation is held together by the power of his word. And so think of like gravity. It holds us together. There are some electrical energizing particles between our subatoms that hold it together. That is somewhat of a mystery even to quantum scientists. There is something that holds it together. And so we know by way of science that there are things that are unseen that hold us together. I'm just belaboring the point. There are some things that hold all of us together, and that is the word of God. And so when Jesus is speaking, he's speaking that same word to us, and that's drawing us deeper into communion with God, who is the word of God. And so when someone is prophesying, it can help more knit us together into that. It can help like, renew our covenant. helps us to deepen our connection with God as we respond to it and receive it as it is. Is that making sense? So that's the purpose of it. And so the purpose of it is not to control people. <laughs> the reason why people have such an issue with prophecy is because in their minds, they are slaves somewhere or are operating in some form of legalism. And so when they hear prophecy, they think they have to submit to it in this authoritative kind of way, and it freaks them out. And so they say, listen, we, we don't like prophecy. It's scary for us. And I'm, I'm over-exaggerating the point a little bit because know that their hearts are not like that. But that's kind of what's going on, because they see it as binding if they see it as on level with the Word of God. And that's one way it's been abused, but that's also one reason why it has also been shunned and shied away from. Because people think in these authoritative terms, and that's not the Word of God. The Word of God is drawing us together, and the Word of God grows us into Christ, almost like a tree coming up from a seed in the ground. And so the authoritative Word of God isn't static in the sense that if we don't obey it, we're going to you know, disappear or something like that. And, and if we don't submit to it in every single way, and then there's parts of us that aren't complete, it's more like as we submit to the Word of God, we grow up into Christ like a vine into a branch. And so it's a, to me, that's a gentler way. And, and the way that Jesus talks about it, so what, the, what is the kingdom of heaven like? It's like a farmer who throws seed in the ground, goes to sleep, and he wakes up, and the tree is grown. And so these metaphors there to help us understand things like also prophecy when we talk about it in that kind of context. Prophecy itself, therefore, is something that we long for. We, we want to hear the word of God spoken to us. We, we want to hear what he's saying so that we can grow up into him. 
is, is precious when he speaks to us because it binds us and knits us together into this energizing, animating force called love and peace and joy and wholeness and fullness and healing. And when we hear that word, it strengthens us. It cleanses us. It washes us. And so we, we want to seek after prophecy because of these things. Not because of we want to know how to order our life and how to obey God properly. That will come as we are fully united with God. You can't, you can't obey God without loving God. You can't obey God without first having love so formed within you that you want to obey out of that overflow of your own heart. Otherwise, this is just legalism, and this is another form of slavery. And so when we receive prophecy, we receive it as something precious to us. Jesus tells us that when we honor the prophet, when we value, that word, that word means to value, to cherish, that we'll receive the prophet's reward. And what's the prophet's reward? Yeah, knowing God. <laughs> I mean, like, prophets are out in the clouds in some places. If you know a prophet, a true prophet in this world, they're different. And they're different because they, they are wired to hear heaven so clearly that they don't hear earth as well. <laughs> that they don't fit in because their wavelength is really different. And so they can, be, they can be harsh because they're just speaking the word of God. They can be at times just a little bit different and, and, and they, they express themselves differently because they, they are tuned in to heaven better than, than most people are. But the reward of that is you get to know God. And so we want to be a people that eagerly seek after the word of God because of these things, because that word has been spoken since the beginning, formed in Jesus, and now is drawing us fuller into him. It's nothing to be scared of. It's nothing to be intimidated of. You've actually heard the voice of the Lord in your own life. In other traditions that don't include prophecy, they do prophesy without knowing it. Every time that the word of God is read, and some might call it like a quickening, and you, you feel the Lord in you, and, and you can understand him more clearly, that is prophesying because that is the voice of the Lord speaking. Now, they would say, well, that's because of Scripture. And we would say, well, Scripture says that Jesus says that you can understand me only if I have revealed myself to you. The Father, all are drawn to Jesus, but the Father only reveals his Son to those whom he chooses. And so when Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ at a point in his ministry, Jesus turns back to him and says, the Father has revealed that to you. Meaning that whenever even scripture is read, whenever Jesus is revealed, it's only because of a gift of revelation. The Lord is speaking and opens up our minds. It helps us to perceive him. It draws us into closer revelation of God. And so even churches that don't allow for prophecy, whenever their spirit is moving over scripture or anything else in their, in their communities, that is a form of prophecy. It's a form of revelation because they wouldn't understand that apart from the voice of the Lord speaking to that person. And so some of this can be nomenclature, and I know that some of this gets into controversy. That's not the point of this. I'm just trying to give some examples of why things are the way they are in our church. So I'm going to get into a couple of examples of uh, looking at prophecy uh, in the New Testament. So we know from Acts that the Acts chapter 2, that the, uh, the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, and it says that all prophesied, and this is a prophecy from Joel, I'm going to look at how that, that, that uh, an example of that from Acts chapter 21. In Acts chapter 21, verse 4, and this is, I, I'm, I'm doing something a little bit uh, to, be, uh, to be 
kind of funny as a, as a teaching moment here. In verse 4, 21, and having sought out the disciples, this is Paul, he's traveling to Jerusalem. He says, and this is Luke also, we stayed there for seven days with these disciples. And through the Spirit, these disciples, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. So through the Spirit, these people were telling Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. When our days were ended there, we departed and went on our journey, which was to Jerusalem. And they all, with wives and children, accompanied us and were outside the city. And kneeling down the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. And we boarded the ship, and then they returned home. So through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on. And yet Paul went on. I'm going to skip down to verse to verse 10. It says, uh, there's a guy named Agabus. There were uh, four unmarried daughters they had, and they all prophesied. And while, again, Paul and Luke and others were staying there for many days, a prophet named Agabus, uh, sorry, Philip was an evangelist, and he had the four daughters. Agabus was with them, and he was a prophet. And so while we were staying there for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns the belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. So I wanted to give you two examples of uh, the difficulty of prophecy. So the Spirit's poured out, and I can give you many examples of prophetic words coming to pass. I want to give you, straight off the bat, two words that don't come to pass. Right. So, uh, prophecy is never exact, although sometimes it is. All right. uh, and so, whenever there's a prophetic word, uh, we test it, and I'm going to get into the scriptures that talk about that. Here in this case, Agabus said, if you go down to Jerusalem, you'll be bound up by the Jews. When Paul gets to Jerusalem, he was bound up by the Romans. So Agabus didn't get that correct. He's a prophet. They received it. They tested it. Some of you may come from a background where it says, if you speak a word of God incorrectly, you should be stoned from the Old Testament. That's bad exegesis. There were prophecies in the Old Testament that were incorrect. Uh, it tells us in, num in, in Numbers 11, for instance, that God sometimes spoke in mysteries and riddles. The context of that passage where uh, Moses is talking about receiving uh, the word of the Lord as the chief among chiefs, the prophet, in that context, that person was never to utter something that would not come to pass, and that was true. And that person was not revealed until Jesus came, and he was revealed as the prophet, speaking the word of God. And only that one person, I would argue exegetically, is to have that standard where not a single one of his words uh, you know, was wrong. Uh, there were others, like Samuel, for instance, where it says to him, not one of his words fell to the ground. Why would it matter to say that unless other prophets in the community of faith, their words fell to the ground? I mean, there's things like this. I'm not going to get into the full exhibition, the ex, uh, full you know, uh, study of this. 
but I just want to say that it's, it's continuous, that prophecy has always been something that should be tested before the Lord. And so here, Agabus is saying something that's incorrect, but partly correct. And so the Spirit was speaking to him, and how he interpreted it was off. And I can make a pretty compelling argument that he just didn't want Paul to die. The Spirit's saying, if you go do this, you're eventually going to die. So brother, don't break my heart. Don't go down there and do it. But Paul says, that's exactly what I'm called to do. That's what the Spirit's telling me to do. And so in a community of faith, we begin to uh, discern the prophecy and prophecies like this collectively. We, we can't do it alone. And we recognize that it's going to take some level of discernment. And so Paul further on talks about this. And so in 1 Corinthians 14, and this would be like the main text if you guys want to land on it today. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 29 and following. <clears throat> and by the way, <laughs> I, I really didn't plan this, but it, in, in right before that passage, Paul says in verse 25, uh, when you come together, each one has a hymn. So some people will have a song. Some, some will have a lesson, some a revelation, some a tongue, some an interpretation. We want to be a mature church that when we create pauses in worship or in times in the service, we can sing out loud a song like Ben did a couple weeks ago. We can give a, a prophecy and interpret it together. We can give a lesson at times. As a mature body of Christ, that's who we're called to be. And so we're going to continue to lead into that over the weeks and months ahead. Let all thing, things be done for building up. If any speak in the tongue... Let there be only two, or at most three, and each one in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each one keep silent in the church and speak to himself. All right, so now this is where we get to prophecy. Let two or three prophets speak. So, first of all, there are people that were seen to be prophets in the church already at this point. And so, amongst us, there are and there will be prophets, in addition to all of you who hear the voice of the Lord for himself. I would say that one of the main purposes of a prophet is to help you tune in better to your own way of hearing the Lord for yourself. But we'll get into that subject in another time. So let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. Why weigh what is said if the prophets always get what they say correctly? And so already implicit in this, within Paul's saying, is that there's going to be prophecies that we have to test, we have to weigh, because the way that we interpret things isn't always clear. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. And so one person is prophesying, and then as that one is prophesying, another person is getting revelation. And so it's one of the um, ways practically to run a church is that when one person begins to step out in the Spirit, be ready for others to also begin to get revelation. And so recognize this in your own life at home when you're praying with others in your own ministry, that as you begin to speak out in revelation or prophecy, expect others also to begin to get revelation and make room for that. So as soon as that other revelation comes, the person who's initially speaking pauses. And then the other person begins to speak that revelation. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. He's meaning that Sometimes when the revelation of God comes upon you in prophecy, uh, our soul or our body can feel very animated because it's the word of God who animates all things. And sometimes we get super excited, like God's speaking, right? And in that excitement, sometimes we just want to talk. We just want to get it out. 
And he's saying, hold on, you have control over that. You don't have to just let it go. You don't have to get caught up in the moment. You always have the ability to be in self-control. And so you can submit yourself to self-control and others within the body in that context. And so we don't have to be babbling over one another as we're giving prophecy. And so Paul is saying in this to weigh or to test that word. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, to not despise prophesying, but test everything and hold fast what is good. Hold fast what is good. So I would imagine Paul hearing from Agabus, uh, he heard what was being said. He, he held fast, knowing that, all right, there's going to be danger ahead. And so I, I, I must hold fast all the more to the Lord in the midst of what's going through. Thank you for the warning, God. Um, I am determined to go to fulfill the Lord's will and purpose in my life. And so he continued on. Uh, for all of us, we begin to hold fast. So the posture of it is that once we hear a prophecy, we sit with it. You know, maybe we go home and we just sit with the Lord and enjoy his presence and let that word kind of marinate. So we, we think about it, we, we pray about it, and we say, Lord, what is it that you're speaking to me about this? And he may not give like, thus says do this. But as we tend to that word, our life becomes shaped around that word. Our life becomes like a seed grown into that word. And suddenly we find that word coming to pass without us having to do anything about it. Uh, you know, one of the, the dangerous things sometimes in prophetic environments is that people will predict, you know, the date of something and you're going to be married to that person. And, you know, that's really dangerous. Uh, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen because that does. I prophesied those things before and they've come to pass. But it has to be in the context of a mature body who can sit with those things and not let certain things come to pass. On our second date, Elizabeth, I hope you don't mind me sharing this now, uh, the Lord told her that she was going to marry me on our second date. You know, she never shared that with me. She never shared that with me until after we got married. That was a mature response to the word of the Lord. You know, I've had to counsel people that, you know, it's been difficult at times because they heard the Lord and they did something and, and you know, and we're all walking in grace, but sometimes it can, we can get ahead of things or sometimes we can mishear some things. And so we, we, we submit our words and our lives to one another. So uh, that's going to be a bit of a, of a background to it. There's more in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul talks about eagerly seeking after these words. Uh, it does require faith, so we honor the prophet. We don't want to be unbelieving. We don't want to despise the word. One of the ways that we can get shut out, not only to prophecy, but the, the voice of the Lord in our own life, is to, uh, you know, despise prophecy maybe is too strong a word, but um, an example from my own life is that during these last you know, years of political turmoil, people have been given all kinds of prophetic words, they're just throwing stuff out there. This person's going to be president. That person's going to be doing that. And, and it, uh, it grieved me tremendously. You know, obviously, a lot of those things didn't come to pass. And it caused me to be hesitant toward, uh, toward prophecy. And, uh, and, it, and it caused me not to hear the Lord as clearly because some part of me was, was gun-shy a bit. Um, like, oh, I don't want to be deceived in that kind of way. And so I, I just want to be sensitive to that for everyone who maybe has been walking this out in recent years. And so uh, one way to help alleviate that is to go to the Lord, 
sit with him and enjoy his love and begin to just say, Lord, who are you for me today? And just reacquaint yourself with the word of God through scripture and, and just to let him speak and marinate to you. And then ask the Lord in time, do I have any judgments or unforgiveness or unhealed wounds from these prophetic words that have not come to pass? And some of that has come because they're just, these words are just thrown kind of like willy-nilly out in the world and they're not part of a community of believers. And so the word that I'm going to give to us and the, word that I want us, and the way that I want us to walk this out as a body together is that when we do receive prophecy, we, we cherish it and we receive it, but we also allow one another to help hold it for us, with us so that we're not doing this alone. And so if we do miss it, hey, we can be repentant, we can be humble about this. And, uh, and so, so I'll leave it at that because there's a lot of other resources that we can walk and talk to about this. And I know that many of you maybe have testimonies that they want to share of, of positive things. The Lord has spoken to me some amazing prophetic words. Back in 2018, I was at a prayer meeting and uh, the Lord not only doesn't come on me like this, but there was a, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me in prophecy and I saw, uh, I saw the land of China and I saw the Great Wall of China and I saw the, the, the Great Wall begin to, to undulate and then, and then stand up and, and the Great Wall was on the back of a great dragon. And I saw this dragon begin to move throughout the nations and devour nations. And as it did, a fire would come out of it and it would, it would come out of its mouth. But the dragon hated the fire, but the more that it devoured, the hotter the fire became. And I just you know, I began to prophesy, do not fear what's about to come out of China. Do not fear what's about to come out of China. Do not fear what's about to come out of China. For the fire of the Lord's kingdom will come out of what's about to happen. The fire of the Lord's kingdom is about to come out of what happened. The fire of the Lord's kingdom will, be about to, will come out of what's about to happen. And so be encouraged and do not be afraid. And this was 2018. This is before COVID. This is before any geopolitical stuff was happening. And so I just want to submit these things that the Lord does speak these things. But at the time, that was a complete mystery. I had no idea how that would be fully fulfilled. He didn't say there's going to be a thing called COVID. And with COVID, you're going to have to. And so we had to weigh that word. And then when COVID happened, uh, immediately that word was for, forefront. And, and there was no reason to be afraid. And so we just walked into a place of, we're not going to fear this thing at all. And our family might have seemed weird because we weren't buying into any of the fear that was going on in our nation. We continued on as normal and allowed us to experience an entire piece of, a season of peace where I know a lot of folks experience fear from those years. And, and it's a marker now in their life. For us, we always had peace. We, we always had a sense of calm confidence that the Lord was using us for his purposes. And so it never changed our family dynamics at all. And for those who had heard the Lord in those places, it also encouraged them. So with that said, I do have a word for us. And again, this word was given on the 22nd. I had a vision uh, as I was praying. I sat with it. I sat with it before doing anything about it. And then the Lord uh, had me to submit it to our elders and a couple of in leadership. They sat with it. They resonated with it. And there's been permission to release it. Okay, so here it is. And I'm going to say it out loud, and I'm going to put it on a screen for you guys to see it. So I saw the land split in two. Like two continental plates that fell away from each other, like a drawbridge that opens. I saw the land split in two and our nation was divided. A great chasm opened between the lands, and the water 
flooded up and out, forming a great sea in the middle. Fire surrounded the sea. Eagles came and took fish from the sea. These eagles, they flew in and they began to take fish from the sea. These fish were the saints of God. The eagles flew to a great mountain, the mountain of the Lord. This mountain was for those who held to the exclusivity of Christ. I saw in large letters in front of the mountain, exclusivity of Christ. The mountain would not be shaken in the great divide ahead. I saw churches on both sides of the division being shaken at their foundation and falling away. And so I'm going to read it again. So I saw the land split in two. So I saw like a great continental shelf. And I saw the land break in two and split and begin to come up like this. I saw these continental plates begin to fall away as it opened up. And in the middle of it, there was this great body of water that formed in the middle. I saw that our nation was divided. A great division was actually coming more so than what is today. A great chasm opened between the lands and water flooded up and out, forming a great sea in the middle. Fire surrounded the sea. These eagles came and took fish from the sea. These fish were the saints of God. And the eagles flew to a great mountain, the mountain of the Lord. They deposited the fish that were there. This mountain was for those who held to the exclusivity of Christ. I saw in large letters in front of the mountain, exclusivity of Christ. The mountain would not be shaken in the great division ahead. I saw churches on both sides of the division being shaken at their foundation and falling away. I saw these churches and they were, they were locked into the continental shelf and they just began to fall away. Uh, I mean, and on both sides and there was a lot. And in addition to churches, there were institutions that also began to fall and flood away. So I submit to you, this is the word of the Lord. Uh, I'm not going to interpret this whole thing right now because I want us to collectively do this. But there are some things I need to pass through you guys through. For us, again, classically, whenever there's a prophecy, for those of us that are in the Lord, it's always good news when the day of the Lord comes. The day of the Lord has multiple iterations with the final day of the Lord when Jesus comes back. So the comfort in this for us is that as you more and more Uh, surrender your life in all areas to Jesus, you will become unshakable. There is a call for holiness. It's always there for us. In this season, you will not find rest without holiness. So holiness maybe in the past has been somewhat optional. In America, you can be part of Babylon and part of the church, and it didn't matter. You could be part of mixture, but that's, that season's past. And as you increase in holiness, you will increase in rest. You will be unshakable, and you'll be a gift to give. Uh, this is a holy body of water. Uh, it was impenetrable. You, you, no one could just get into it. And so the Lord was showing in that, kind of like Eden, that he is really taking seriously his, his holiness. The other comfort in this is the exclusivity of Christ. Uh, if Elizabeth was up here helping with this interpretation, she would say how refreshing it is when God makes things clear to us. What a blessing it is when he upholds his name in the land. Uh, For all of us who like justice and righteousness, which we all do, some of us really like it, this is a good word because it's going to clarify things for our nation. 
That said, Jesus tells us plainly through Paul and through others in the scripture that, uh, that some are, are blinded in their unbelief and they will remain blinded and become more blind. And so while it seems to us like, hey, this is a chance for us to grow in peace, the nations will rage around us. And so while the nations rage around us within the church, there is great peace. And so there is no reason to fear. And so that's the pastoral part of this. This is a gift to give to us. And so the response I want us to have as a body is for us to sit with this word in the weeks ahead and maybe create a conversation on Slack and in our groups and just sit with the Lord. And as we begin to see things happen, just praise God for it. I want to caution us against predictive stuff in this. Uh, and so you might want to think, well, this means like Democrats and Republicans and liberals and conservatives, and I can see why in these days. I want to encourage you not to do that. Uh, you know, it could be Israel or Hamas. In these things, please don't take sides. Now, I'm not saying that because there's not injustices. I'm like, don't take sides right now. You know, let the Lord sift through things, and you all hold fast to the exclusivity of Christ. There's teachings that have been released that are out there that talk about the you know, universal salvation that comes to Jesus Christ, that all are saved because Jesus Christ is Lord. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't buy into that. Jesus alone is exclusive, and he's given us one life, one baptism, and said so before this life, we have the opportunity to come to know him or not. And so I want to submit this to us as a body. I'm going to pray over it as we're finishing up now. And, and I, I'm trusting that the Lord uh, is going to give some revelation to this. And so as I'm praying, I'm going to leave some space. And if any of you all have a revelation that you are quickened to give, you have space in these next minutes to do this. As leaders, we'll, we'll, uh, uh, we'll weigh these things out, but all of us as a body, let's weigh these things out. So in this, again, uh, there is not to be any fear. This is a word of comfort and, and strength, but also clarification. And it is a warning. Uh, holiness is refreshing. So enjoy it as you seek after ways in your own life to submit more and more to him. Um, and and uh, one last thing, if there's any questions that you guys have, please feel free to ask me, ask Reed, ask our elders, ask Jessica and David over here. Um, and, uh, and we will be happy to, to work it through with you guys. But I'm, I'm expecting more to come from you all. Again, this is a, this is a, a national word, but, but he's given it to us. I'm not going to, there's no need for me to broadcast this somewhere else. That's not the point of this. This is for you all to, to learn how to, to steward this well. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that Jesus is Lord of all. Thank you that Jesus is a good shepherd. Thank you that the pattern of Jesus throughout history is that he speaks to his people. So thank you, Jesus, for speaking to us. Father, your word is peace. And I ask now for your peace to be revealed through this word. I also ask for clarity in the fear of God. Your son Jesus delighted in the fear of God. And I ask now in all of us that we would have a fear of the Lord that is delightful because it clarifies. It helps us to see more clearly his love as we, what we fear we pay attention to. 
So Lord, help us to pay attention to you and then receive back your love and your strength. Father, I ask for the gift of revelation to increase in our body through this. And I ask even right now that you would hover over your people and stir them. And if there's anything else that you want to speak to right now, Lord, if there's anything else you want to say to our body, Jesus, I want your word. I eagerly desire it. And I ask that you would speak to us, to anyone that's here. And for anyone that is here, if you are sensing the Lord quicken upon you, feel free to stand and speak.